0: Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten Podcast. Joining us on this show today is Moles, who is actually from my part of town where I uh, grew up in the southeast of England. Nice to see some Bitcoiners from that part of the world reaching out and wanting to get in touch. And I've met a few of the, uh, the other guys from the Essex Bitcoiner group as well at a Bedford game. So they're out there. Start up. Your own little groups. Make sure you are connecting with each other. Meet in real life. You can start using, if you have an iPhone, it's in test flight at the moment. Orange pill app. This is what the app is all about. It is not a dating app. It's an app to help us find each other so we can start initiatives. Anyway, enough said. Make sure you're stacking stats. You can use to do that a number of different companies. But these ones have shown support for this show. So I enjoy shilling them. In the US, swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten is going to start you off with $10. And they are about to throw the biggest party on the west coast of the US. Pacific Bitcoin starts in just about 10 days from now. So make sure you hit the link in the show notes or find it on my link tree. Because you'll get a discount if you hit that link and use the code PRINCE at checkout for those tickets. Go join the swan guys. And all of the other plebs now here in Europe if you want to stack sats Relay are the swan of Europe Download their app and start stacking sats. You can set up your DCA Euro CA pound CA whatever and Start stacking immediately very very quickly You can also now smash by 24 7 with any of your cards or your Google pay or your Apple pay This is a first and it's definitely worth you guys checking out or using Your own referral link to get newbies on board. Coin Corner also have you covered. CoinCorner.com. They're based out of the Isle of Man. They are an exchange. So you can go there and smash buy. Or you can order your Bolt card from there. And then link that directly to your account via the app. And use the card when you're out shopping at merchants that accept Bitcoin. It's great fun to do. A perfect way to show noobs what magic internet money can actually do Now, once you've got your coins please take them off the exchanges and I would recommend that you start teaching yourselves about coin joining because it's an extra way to add privacy to your stack Start running a few coins excuse me, a few sats through a coin join service You can use WasabiWallet.io They've just done an upgrade Everything was working absolutely perfectly run some sats through there and then send them across to your hardware device and see how that feels. If you do not have a hardware wallet or a signing device use shiftcrypto.ch forward slash that link will take you to the Bitbox 2 Bitcoin only edition hardware wallet from Shift Crypto which gives you a 5% discount on that particular device. Right, all of that said Here's Moles, who's going to take us on her own little rabbit hole journey. And I hope you enjoy it and reach out to her afterwards. Thank you for listening. Enjoy this one with Moles. All right, we're here with Moles. Nice to meet you. Thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Looking forward to this one. Lauren, fire away. What have you got? What is spirit, spirit, spirituality spirit? well
1: that's quite an opener thank you and yeah thank you for that question um everything (laughs) i think there's a lot of untrue theories and understandings out there that spirituality is a certain thing a certain way of being but as far as i can see everything is because everything came from nothing so that nothing to me would be a, a word for it would be spirit, I guess, but I'd call it the formless, I'd call it, you know, the the infinite creative potential, whatever that energy was, where there was absolutely nothing, and then suddenly there's all of this, it means that by its very nature, everything is spiritual. You, me, your dad, the room you're in, <laughs> you know, is it's all actually when we step behind our, the ideas that our mind creates and we look out at the world, as if we're children and we've seen it for the first time everything's kind of amazing and that's what i teach people so that was a really great question so does that make sense to you
0: yes it does thank you Good. do you have any further questions Um. Uh... go on yeah wait you're into bitcoin right yeah what do you like about bitcoin
1: what do I like about Bitcoin? Sovereignty. Yeah, sovereignty is my thing. And in fact, in my mental health work, I teach about sovereignty as well. It's all about taking responsibility for the self. And I think once we do that, we, we see the world through new eyes. And Bitcoin, you know, I already kind of knew the world was a lie, but Bitcoin has really opened my eyes to that. So it's not just that I love Bitcoin and that I can... You know, be in charge of my own money, have sovereignty, um, be part of creating a new world. I also get to see the world in itself a little bit differently by what it's shown me about how false the stories that we're told by the powers that be are. So it's been, it's been amazing. It's been, an, I think, for everyone. You know, Bitcoin's always an amazing journey. It's a, it's a rabbit hole of knowledge. But that's what I love. And do you love Bitcoin? Uh, yeah, I would say I love it. Okay. I, and what do you like? Lo- what do you love about it? Uh, basically, what you said. You have freedom on your money, and no one can take it over, and
0: no one should be able to take it over, and like tell you what to do with it. Um. So yeah. Do you yeah. understand what the word sovereignty means? Have you heard that before? no but i kind of kind of okay do you want to have a go miles
1: um you just you know a, like a sovereign nation would be in charge of its own money and a sovereign person will be in charge of its own its own finances everything could, you, you would take responsibility for everything in your life is how i would explain it anything to add to that
0: no it means you're in charge yeah i would yeah. say you 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 have the decisions, you have the choices, and you bear the consequences or reap the benefits of those choices. It's not somebody else telling you what to do and how to do it, and you just blindly following.
1: Okay. It's power. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> I like the little cartoon laugh behind that as well.
1: <laughs> That's just my laugh.
0: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> It's power. That mm. it was very Mister Burns like. Yeah. <laughs> right. Any further questions, Lauren? Nothing. So. Okay. Cool. Well, Bye. do you want to say goodbye?
1: It was a pleasure to meet you, Lauren. Thank you for coming on. Bye.
0: All right, Moles. Let's let's learn a little bit about you before we start um, talking about Bitcoin and uh, and everything uh, else that you're working on in the space. Um. Yeah, take us back. What? What? Uh, wh- where did you grow up, and what few events happened early in your life? Do you think that led you down either the path of spirituality or something else that you might have found before that? And then, um, then we'll see if we can link that into into finding bi- the Bitcoin rabbit hole as well.
1: Okay. Yeah, I grew up half of my the, the first half of my childhood was in London in the East End. Um, And that was a lot of fun, big family, um, you know, just running around on the, you know, what it was like back in the seventies, there was no, no rules running around on the streets, coming when you like. Mm -hmm. So looking back, considering what childhood's like now, I think I had a pretty good childhood. Um, We moved to Essex, I think when I was eight years old. And then, so then the rest of my childhood was spent by the sea and with my family and yeah, that that was nice. I, I think if I look back, the London was more fun. I think when you have a kind of a big move like that when you're a kid, you kind of it does take a little while to get used to it. Um and then I think the rebellion
0: <laughs>
1: started around 13 years old. <laughs> um and I and it was, you know. Back then it was a very kind of egotistical rebellion, you know, my parents had split up and I was, you know, I, I didn't like the world at that time. So everything changed in my life quite quickly. And I think my reaction to that was just kind of a fuck you to the world. And that made me rebel at school. I, I kind of started not going very much. I mean, I had a great time. I mean, I was having a lot of fun. um, And I formed some really great friendship groups at that time. And, I think that just led into me. I didn't kind of go the traditional route of kind of staying in education. I kind of then at 17 hit the rave scene. That had just started. So that was like 1988, 89. And suddenly that appeared out of nowhere. And so for me and all my friends, that was the direction that we went in. So the rebellion turned into like the summer of love, number two. And we just had the best time. We were in London, like constantly. We were partying. That led to Ibiza, where I lived for three years. And I suppose that then started the more inquiring mind into who we are, what we are. Like that time, Ibiza, yes, it was a party island, but it was very much a hippie island as well. Um, And i would always had that in me, even with the rebellion, there was always a sense of I'm quite really interested in the deeper questions. I was really interested in what we were about, who we were, you know, um, was life really true? And and so I I guess the Ibiza years kind of shaped that a little. And then from there, I actually came back. To England and then I worked in the city I was kind of project manager and I actually went to France for a little while so I went into this more corporate world for a little while I think about three or four years and then I felt like no this isn't for me and then that led me to Asia and traveling some of my friends were we're going traveling I was like I'm definitely coming so I think I started where did I go to Australia was first So I spent a couple of months in Australia, then I came back into Asia, we just traveled all around Thailand, we went to Cambodia, which was one of the most magical times of my life. I actually absolutely loved that. And then um, we came home. And then I decided that India was calling. And Mm -hmm. I think I was 28 or 29 by that time. And... Um, I went to India, um, and I think within a week of being there, I, I I met my husband. I'm not with anymore, but we're still great friends. And it was just this whirlwind of a year, of of complete madness. I I lived in a commune. Um, I meditated all day. I, <laughs> I I lived this kind of crazy life for with you know with the, all these crazy people for a year but again absolutely magical lots and lots of fun and it really opened me up so all those questions that I had and all that seeking suddenly made more sense so I kind of absorbed all that I I, I got pregnant me and my husband came back to the UK and I had my son here and then that led me to inquiring into more into spirituality but also into natural natural medicine so mm-hmm. i then took that journey and i i became a naturopath i studied for 3 years i got a qualification in naturopathy and i had this amazing clinic that i set up i was incredibly busy really successful and i spent around i think it was about 7 or 8 years in the clinic and then one day i woke up and i had a breakdown and that was a really interesting time that was I I really still can't put my finger on one event that uh, that led to that experience but I literally went from I'm okay you know I'm doing a lot of self inquiry. I'm doing a lot of meditation maybe even too much and then the next day I wake up And I am literally in darkness and I have what seems like no control over my mind. And it really shocked me. It really floored me. I had to give up my work. I couldn't work. Um, I had to kind of shut my life down almost because I just couldn't function. I didn't end up going into any facilities because of what I knew and what I understood. I had the feeling that I could get through it without all those outside things you know without having to take you know medication or you know going to a facility or you know it felt like okay I'm gonna do this myself what I did do is the doctors did give me sleeping tablets because at one point I hadn't slept for days I was like okay I will take a sleeping tablet because I do know sleep is very important so I would take the sleeping tablet I'd, I'd, I'd fall asleep and then I'd wake up and the neck, you know back in the the hell of my mind and it literally was hell and then that, but I'd know it in the evening I could take something and I'd get about four or five hours of peace because it would just shut everything off and and that was kind of it during that time then obviously I would then seek answers I'd be to go to different therapists I'd try different things and and it would get a little bit better but there was never It never felt like there was anything that was curative. It always felt like everything was just ease it a little bit. And so the the darkness of my mind, you know, it did, it it got better in a sense, but it left me with quite debilitating anxiety and depression. So one day I'd be anxious and then I have the pumping fear through my body. The next day I'd be really down and I wouldn't want to go anywhere. And it it was so interesting looking back because. It wasn't like there was one thing going on. It was just, I never knew what emotion was going to come. And I just had to deal with that emotion in the moment and get through the day. I still cared for my son, cooked for my son, took him to school, picked him up from school. That was just my focus. And that's what I think as well, because I had him and I had that focus. I was never going to do anything silly. It was like, I'm here. I'm going to be be in this world. I'm going to get through this. Um, I kind of accepted in some ways that maybe this could be it. And, and that I would have to live like that, but I would, you know, I would deal with it. Um, sometimes I'll put it down to the fact that, you know, I obviously I, I played around with drugs in my youth with the rave scene and Ibiza and all of that. And then sometimes I put it down to the tr- some traumas that I'd had when I was younger, but it never really made that much sense. And I And I don't think always, I don't think mental health does really. I think we try and pin it on something, but I think actually it's just what's happening. And then one day I, and this went on for seven years, by the way, you know, it wasn't like a few months. It was, and, and as I said, exponentially a little bit better and a little bit better, but still living in a place of intrusive thinking, um, anxiety and depression. And I, I, I went to see a guy um, that I'd found about having some neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, and I thought it's like a hit form, of, like a deep form of hypnosis that kind of changes how your mind sees things. I'm going to try that now. You know, I've tried so many things. Let me try that. And I went to see him, and I had a conversation with him. And I think this was in oh, 2012. Yeah, 2012. And he said to me, "Look, I'm just learning about this thing called the three principles, and it is absolutely transformational for mental health." And I, and I believe it will really help you. Um, I asked him what it was. He explained it to me and I said, no, thank you. (laughs) 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 I said, I've come for NLP. I said, you know, you're talking about these principles. They sound very beautiful, you know, mind, consciousness, thought, and energy. And I'm like, you know, I've done all that. That was my past. You know, I just want to feel better. And he said, how about we do the NLP but at the end, we talk about the principles for a little while. I was like, okay, I can do that. So I went for a little while and we would we would have these conversations. And actually, we didn't really do very much NLP at all in the end. We'd end up talking about the principles. And I wasn't really hearing it clearly. But I kind of was like, okay, it's a nice conversation. I leave there feeling a bit nicer. So that's okay for me. And then in the February of 2013, I believe it was, I... I got sick and I used to get sick a lot out of those seven years. Cause I think when your mind's not good, you, you know, body and mind are one thing, in my opinion, they're a ref- reflection. So i would always be catching everything. You know, you've got a kid at school, you, you catch everything. And, um, and I was really sick. And and I remember thinking I need to find out the principles kept coming into my head and I was just like, Oh, I'm going to find out a little bit more about them. So I went on online, ordered a book um, the book is The Inside Out Revolution by a man named Michael Neal, who unbeknownst to me that day as an American was actually speaking in London. I I I I got the book, I read the book, and during the reading of that book, I became well. Wow. And I was shocked. I was stunned that suddenly I had an insight that everything in my life, my, my, my world up until now, my breakdown, everything was created by my own thinking. And I saw this quite deeply and it was, it was a moment of, you know, obviously I've been seeking my whole life, this kind of awakening and enlightenment. And it felt like, oh, oh, this is what I've been looking for forever. And my mind was clear. I hadn't had a clear mind for seven years other than when I took a sleeping tablet. My mind was clear. I felt light, I felt happy. And I, I I came down, to, um, my mum and I lived together. I came down to my mum and I said, I think I'm okay. And she was like, yes, dear. <laughs> of course you are. Um, and it was like, no, really. And I, I spent three days in this state of absolute bliss. You know, it was just blissful. My arrogance made me believe that I would stay in that state of bliss. Blue- pure bliss forever now that didn't happen I did come back to my humanity and and my being and 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 I I came back but I knew something was different and I didn't you know there was a little bit of the old stuff there but it was nowhere near as intense and I was I was so intrigued I was like this is this just me is this just a an accident that's happened to me via this understanding or is it something that happens with this understanding so I then looked into the three principles and I just saw the same stories over and over again of these people that were getting through mental health issues that were waking up. And and that was it for me. That was like, okay, this is what I have to do. I've gone through all of that. I've seen this. I know with all of my years in natural healthcare, you become a counsellor to your clients. You know, more often than not, they're coming to tell you their problems rather than their ailments. Um, so I, I knew I had the ability to do that. So I, I trained um lightly with 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 a, a few different people i i there was a doctor dickon bettinger who's a psychologist um in america and he would come over for five days and do these um retreats and i would go on those and that was really where my understanding really grounded where I really started to see it really clearly and knew that I could convey it to other people. and with other people, you know there's the, uh, different events I'd go on, different courses I'd go on and but I kind of got it really quickly and I found that I was quite a natural teacher of it. Um, and the rest they say is history from there. you know, life got better, my relationships with everybody in my life got better. Um, my my teaching began, people started. I think people would come to me also because it's like, you're really different. Like, right? what's happened to you? And it's that kind of that's intriguing to people to to know that somebody could go from that to that and they want to know why. So that is so obviously a lot of old clients came to me via that. And then yeah, and and to up till today, where you know I have a lovely business teaching the three principles I have a podcast with Jem says from from crypto Twitter and yeah it's just great I mean it, it's kind of amazing and I never knew that this amazing was on the table back then it looked like that what was on the table was the rest of my life kind of just getting through and ticking a day off that I'd done it
0: what so that first day that you woke up what was with, with like um did the- the knowledge that you you thought you were having a breakdown um sorry if i'm putting words in your mouth no no
1: no it's fine
0: uh, what what are the warning signs for anybody that's listening to this that might be thinking along the lines of why am i depressed all the time or anxious or fearful
1: what can you what, explain yeah what that? was it
0: what did, looking back were there any warning signs at all no
1: i've
0: So you just woke up and you just felt...
1: I woke up, you know, I woke up in psychosis. I woke up with, like in a horror movie. I mean, that's the only way I could describe it. It was like, there was a horror movie going on in my bedroom. And it was, you know, visions. It was like, I literally had no control over what my mind was doing. And I did actually, when I said I I went on the sleeping tablets, I got the sleeping tablets because my mum said after about four or five weeks... Like, I really just want you to go and see somebody even though she's very into what I I, I do and 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 alternative um therapists she said let's just go and get a diagnosis from a professional so we paid to go for me to go to the priory and have a meeting with a with a therapist um he was what was he he's was one that prescribes drugs so yeah he's um a psychiatrist so I went to see the psychiatrist and he said you know this is a very very unusual case he said, this is quite unusual. Like the fact that you went from that to that. Um, and there wasn't really the signs of stress leading up to that. But I can't say there was. There was There was a lot of heavy meditation. There was a lot of seeking. And did my mind just get to a point where that was too much for it? You know, because, yes, I, I do believe that, you know, if you want to meditate, that's great, do it. But I was doing like two hours a day. And I was doing very deep meditations. And, you know, uh, can the mind, can the actual intellect cope with that? Because, you know, we're still, it, it's really interesting. We have kind of two two ways of seeing the mind. We're either in it or we can observe it. And I think it's that in it and that observation, maybe if I didn't understand the mind well enough to do the kind of observation that I was doing.
0: It's a weird one, isn't it, meditation? It's very difficult to define what mm. meditation is because it's different to everybody. But what were you doing?
1: I was doing um, those sounds that you can use. Um and they deepen your meditation so it's kind of a beat but it takes you you know and I've spent a year in a meditation commune so I was kind of adept Mm -hmm. at meditation and and you just you put this beat on and you just literally you're gone you know for me that was my experience I would just go um and sometimes that would look like nothing and sometimes that would like visions and sometimes that would look like other crazy things but it Would just drop me out of what of my kind of um my intellect, as such, take me to a deeper space, and I would stay there for around two hours and then I would come out of that and I'm just you know back in the world. But it was for see, I'm I agree with you now, meditation is anything, I don't even meditate anymore, it makes no sense to me anymore to meditate, and we can go into that a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but and for everyone else that wants to do it, as I said, that's fine. But I think that kind of depth can sometimes make you crazy. Maybe, I mean, there you know, there's Zen masters that used to say that, you know, there's a point where your your mind can go crazy. You know, and, and when people do Vipassana which is the silent meditations for ten days, at certain points their minds can go crazy. And maybe my mind just could not cope. Plus, you know, I I, I still at that point hadn't figured out that everything was created by me and my thinking I still had issues around my past and blamed my parents for things and blamed other things for the way that I was so I still had issues going on but they didn't look like they'd be enough to leave me in the place that I ended up in so yeah I think it's really interesting to see that of course these spiritual practices can be calming they can be helpful but I actually look back and I see that I kind of like I do with a lot of things hammered it a little bit too much (laughs) (laughs) and I think that partly you know you could say it was the whole thing it was the history of drugs it was the blame in my past and the and the victimhood that I felt on occasion, it was, I'm a naturally probably an emotional person, it was the, the 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 meditation for years and years and years and years, and maybe my mind had nowhere left to go but to break and be reordered, you know, um, I don't, you know, what's really interesting, I don't now look at that as a bad time, I look at that now as, that's was what was meant to happen for me to have that awakening and for that awakening to lead me to where I am today. And if you know, I wouldn't actually have found Bitcoin if it wasn't for my awakening. Because I found Bitcoin on one of the five day retreats that I did with the doctor from America. So it's so interesting. The whole thing, we, you know. We've got to like, have
0: that story. <laughs> You, you, I'm not. I'm not going to interrupt your flow now. So the rabbit hole story starts on a five day retreat. That's when you found Bitcoin. I love it. Okay, talk us through it. What happens? You you, okay. you sign up to this retreat. Was this the first one you did with this guy?
1: Um, I think yes. I think it was the first five days that I did. Um, I'd done a couple of days with the, when he was over uh, previously. Um, um, uh, uh, Dickon and. Really loved him. Really loved his teaching. I was like, wow, you know, he, he's he's the guy for me. He's the guy I want to learn this from.
0: What's the name uh, again?
1: Doctor Dickon Bettinger. He's a doctor of psychology. He's an amazing man. Dickon um,
0: Bettinger. Okay, yes. all right.
1: And um just felt a lovely connection with him when I met him. Found out he was doing this five days shortly after. Signed up. It was in Stoke by Nayland, so in Suffolk. Beautiful place. And I get there and you know, the, the, there's some other, two other teachers on there, uh, Jenny and Rudy, who are now good friends of mine. And obviously, Dr. Dick and Bettinger and probably about, I'd say, maybe 25 or 30 other people. And the first day you go and you chat and, and you listen. And, and the second day you start to open up a little bit more you know you start to do people are you know in the in the in the group are talking about their experiences and and obviously you know um, Dickens teaching and Jenny and Rudy are doing some teaching and and just you form this beautiful kind of group dynamic it's like people really become you know at one I think when we do work like that and we come together so if you start to feel really comfortable you start to feel really safe now during that some things can start appearing you know some of your old crap can start coming out because you're looking at it in in a different way and and so I started to share my story and I just said you know it's so beautiful to be here and what happened to me and how I'd found the principles and I think it was probably around a year since I'd found them that was on this five days and know and I start to cry and I'm having it wasn't a, a sad cry and it was just like the beauty of the fact that it had changed my life and what it had done to me um and out of nowhere this little face that I'd never seen the whole time I'd been there popped up from the other side of the room this little Welsh guy and he said I don't know what he said to this day okay absolutely no idea and I have my second huge awakening Okay, so in that moment, I'm, i am gone again. And I see the truth of oneness. So now I've, you know, I've got the understanding of thought, suddenly, I'm seeing that everything is one separation is created by our minds, there is no separation. Okay, so everything that looks separate comes from our ideas around thought, it's just one energy that's created all things, which points beautifully back to your daughter's question at the mm-hmm. beginning. And he, and again, I still don't know what he said, but I, I just, wow, I just left the room, and or I was the room, and I had this experience, and then I came back into the room, and I was like, wow, that's another huge awakening experience. I'm, I have no idea what happened, but I knew again, I felt much lighter, I felt like I, I touched something, and I just felt this deep bliss and this peace, similar to that I'd had on the first experience. And then we have a break, and then I find this lovely little Welsh man, and I say to him, what happened? And he went, what? I said, I had the most incredible experience after you spoke to me. And he said, what was the experience? And I said, that everything's one," And he went, yes, it is. And I was eating a bag of crisps. And he went, it's all crisps it's all crisp sam that's my my actual name is sam and i was just like oh my god yes it's all (laughs) (laughs) crisp Me and the, I sound like a lunatic I know but me and this guy then formed this really nice friendship and it turns out he's a really interesting man um he's in his 50s he had a huge awakening experience when he was 15 playing football and he had no idea what happened to him okay he was actually looking to be a professional footballer he was amazing at it and he just literally had to drop out of everything and he's then traveled the world Seeking and finding out what his experience was, he had no reference for it. So I kind of had a frame of reference for it. He didn't, and so he then um, spent the next forty years exploring it, teaching it. Um, he's a wonderful teacher. I'm still good friends with him. You know, he get he travels all over the place and just goes to people that ask him to go there. Um, and he's a he's not a three principles teacher, but he's a non duality teacher. And he was just a guest there for Dickon and Rudy and Jenny. They just said, well, "You don't play, just come along." You know, this amazing, you know, he's what I would call he's probably the most enlightened person I've ever met in my life. I mean, truly awake. And it was so interesting. And I was like, okay, that's that was the connection, whatever he resonated at, kind of I picked up and had my experience. And then so we became friends. And then about on the fourth or fifth day, and I didn't buy Bitcoin then, unfortunately, he told me about Bitcoin. <laughs> so the greatest story is an enlightened man. Told me about Bitcoin. Here you go. And his son was in. His son was into it, um, and he he was into it. And he said I should look into it. And I said I would. And I looked into it. And then I forgot about it. And then he was came to Southend to see me, and he did a talk for me. And I it must have been in 2017 because it was just be- must have been just before the fork when it was all the B cash bullshit it, because he, he's we went to lunch along the seafront and he said have you bought any bitcoin yet and i was like no but i'm going to he went just wait till i don't know what's going to happen wait till after all that and maybe look into it so yeah so that so after that was when he sent me all, some more information and kind of said come on time to buy some now and so that yeah that was my experience of, of finding bitcoin on an, an awakening retreat in suffolk <laughs>
0: That's awesome. And yeah, I think it's awesome as well that uh, a guy, the most enlightened man you've ever met or person you've ever met uh, is a Bitcoiner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How cool is that? It speaks volumes. Yeah. I mean, I've met some people that would say they're enlightened in India, but no, you sit with him and you're like, oh, yeah, he's there. He lives there. And yeah, and he loves Bitcoin. So I think that's really, really cool.
0: So what do you, let's, let's talk about the three principles then. I'm dying to know what they are and how you teach them.
1: Okay. So the three principles are the building blocks energetically of our human experience. So we all know, even you know, science says there was nothing and now there's this. So we know there's some energy behind life. So what I first want to point to is they were discovered by a man named Sydney Banks, who was a Scottish welder and he discovered them in the early 70s he had his enlightenment experience he came back and over time he formed these principles because obviously they were kind of came through him to for him to teach what he had seen and what he had seen was that we we have the energy of thought yeah so we have thought that comes and goes we all have that that's a an invisible energy that every human experiences we have the energy of consciousness, which is the awareness of our thinking. We all if we didn't have awareness, we wouldn't know we were thinking. And we have the energy of mind, And that isn't a personal mind. Um, Sid looked at mind um in the way of the universal intelligence of life. Now, depending on where you sit, it will depend how I would work with that with somebody. So with an atheist, I'd look at nature. You know, the fact that everything is in perfect order and there's a design to it. So there's an intelligence behind life. If someone was religious, I talked to them about God. If someone was spiritual, I talked to them about universal energy. So, for, you know, I, I don't care how I talk about it. It's like I just need you to see it, you know. And once you see those three principles, it kind of changes your human experience because what you begin to see is instead of this world of form, so you me your 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 computer your family your the country you live in all of that takes up so much of our attention and we get so focused and obsessed on with it and even you know i love bitcoin but even that can become an obsession with the outside world and and what it starts to teach us is that everything that you already need you already have it it shows us that all of this thinking that looks real isn't you know it's passing through that you have a deeper awareness if you can access that you can find peace because there's there's a there's a deeper you that's always available and this infinite intelligence has always got our back so it's a bit like you're supposed to experience what you're supposed to experience so it's these building blocks these energies that are the creation of every one of us regardless whether you know about them or not you are all we are all infinite intelligence and in nature we are all um consciousness awareness and we are all thought and you take any one of those away and you actually haven't got a human experience and people can say so how can that change your experience of being alive? The inquiry into it seems to have some profound effect and it takes the profound to the practical because what it does it takes this profound understanding and it brings it into, a better life. And that's what, as far as I'm concerned, everyone's talk- Everyone's looking for. You know, it, it doesn't matter what someone's coming to me for. I know that the bottom line is they want to be happier and they want to have a better life. Now, while I can't guarantee that that's exactly what they're going to get, I know that their experience of life will change because they'll have a deeper understanding of who they are and they'll learn to how to not take their own thinking so seriously and put the past in its place and see that the future isn't real. So that brings us back to presence. That brings us back to being in the moment. And, and actually everything that we're looking for is right here, right now. But we're so distracted by thought and the mind and the material world that we absolutely lose sight of that. So I just bring people home. So I just look at my job as I take people's hand and I take them on a little journey. Via We start usually start a thought and I show them what thought is and how it works. And we explore that. And And their own beliefs and their own thinking will be the, the greatest leverage I have for working with them because it's their own it, it's their own beliefs as they dissolve, as they see through their unhelpful beliefs and thinking that they really start to see the difference in their life and they start to wake up. And then from there, it's just like, it just gets to you know, a deeper and deeper journey. Now, some people just want to, see thought and they don't want to go any deeper that's fine some people want to stay on the journey with me and continue and explore and undo more beliefs because everything that we think we are is a thought none of it's actually a truth yeah it's it's labels we've acquired and you know it, it, it's it's traits that people have told us we've got it's beliefs that we've held on to it's everything upstream is a thought a thought turns into a belief, a belief turns into an opinion, all of that turns into behaviour. So we, we start to see at the deepest level who we are, which cuts through all the bullshit of who we, who we think we are, but we're not. And again, so when I was speaking earlier and I said I thought I was a victim of my past, when I saw this, it was like absolutely no way. How can that be? The past doesn't exist. When do I create the past? I create it via thought in my mind when it comes in as memory. That has absolutely no power or any truth to it. Because right now, right here, I'm chatting with you. So how can a past have any power unless I say that past has power? Because actually, unfortunately, a lot of traditional therapy points to that past as having power. And it doesn't. It's it's just a movie. It's just a movie that we run. And I I teach people that, you know, you don't have to listen to the movie anymore. And with the future, people project into the future and they say, you know, they predict all these things that may or may not happen and often create, you know, quite doomsday scenarios for themselves around the future. It's like, how do you know? Where are you getting that information from? You're getting it from a mind that has 100,000 thoughts a day, 95,000 of which are total bullshit. So you just start to have this different relationship with thought. And honestly, people, until they see it, don't really get it. But the freedom from not believing your own thinking is unbelievable. It, it, it truly is life changing. And it, it kind of sets us up to really have a, an experience of life, which we see is coming from us. We have sovereignty over our feelings, you know, back to that wonderful thing. It's like, okay, so I'm a sovereign individual. I'm creating my experience. The outside world has no power over me other than what I give it by my own thinking. When I see my thinking, i say, you're not having that power over me because I'm onto it now. I'm not, I'm only, not only am I onto the world, I'm onto my own bullshit. So now I can really see something deeper about my experience and have a much happier, healthier life. That said, you will still get caught in thought. I do. Dr. Dick and Bettinger does. You know, the nature of the human condition is thought's going to come in. It's going to look real. You're going to be caught up. But what you now have is a reset button of the principles where you suddenly go, oh, I know what's going on here. Okay, come out of that. See it's bullshit back in the room.
0: You're holding your own private keys to your mind.
1: (gasps) I love that. Yes. The principles of the private keys to your mind. Oh, thank you. Just giving me a new tagline.
0: (laughs) Go for it. That's what I was thinking the whole time you were talking there. And, uh, you know, it kicked off, like you said, with Lauren asking that question about sovereignty. And, yeah, having the ability to hold your own keys to your mind is huge and probably something very few of us, have even thought about doing, let alone do-do. When you talk about living in the past and living in the future, that's all of us in the Bitcoin world because we're studying history like mad, like we've never studied history before. And it's murky because it's just history. Goodness knows who wrote it and did the person who did write it, was he even in the room when that went down or is this an opinion? Uh, You know, one... Stark example is uh, Executive Order sixty one hundred two. What was truly behind that? What was the driving power behind that? Was this really nefarious, which we all believe it to be? That you know Roosevelt stole everybody's gold in the in the US. We get hung up on that hugely because we're projecting into the future. What about when they come for our Bitcoin? So we're stuck with one with our left leg right in the past and our right leg right in the future and our minds going absolutely freaking crazy and yelling at each other on bitcoin twitter <laughs> we don't have control of our keys do we yeah
1: yeah and i would say having control of of the keys of your mind is the ultimate power it really is it, it it's it's so upstream from anything outside of yourself because then you can deal with the whole world and you can be in the moment and and you don't lose the joy that's available right now by focusing on a past or focusing on a future. You're here. You know, you still got your Bitcoin. You still got your Bitcoin keys. And what I find is fascinating is everybody thinks they know what's going to happen. You don't know. We don't know what's going to happen this afternoon. And it's like, so why don't we just live now And enjoy now, and kind of get off that. And now, I I totally get it. I've been consumed with with the 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 politics of the world over the last couple of years, and and I've woken up a lot to a lot of what is going on in the world. But I'm deeply aware that when I get a little bit stuck in that, it's time to come out. It's time to actually come and live in the moment again. I've gone down there, and I've come back here and see what's beautiful about this life because even with all of what's going on in the world there is still such beauty you know there, there's beauty in nature there's beauty in our relationships there, there, you know there's beauty everywhere and, and we get so focused we, we, we don't notice it and i think again my work is bringing people back to that and i think when we're in the moment see i know when i'm truly present it's not even a doing i'm just noticing beauty I'm just like, oh, look at that tree. I'm not going, I need to look at that tree. I, I'm, oh, look at that. That That is a, oh, wow, that's blowing me away. Look at that sea. Look at, you know, oh my God, what a lovely cup of tea. <laughs> you know, it's the simplest things. And they're just there when we have our, our eyes to see them. But often we get distracted and we get taken away from that. And, and we don't see that but again these keys bring us back to it as i said i don't live in the place of constantly being present but i'm there a lot and i think the the longer i'm in the conversation the the percentage goes up you know i'm more present than i am lost but i still get lost but as far as i can see that you know that i don't see the being lost as wrong i see the being lost as just my humanness and that's got its beauty too so we come back behind all this thinking we have of this wrong and right, good and bad, past and future, positive, negative. You know, this isn't about positive thinking. This is just seeing that thought is doing its thing, not looking at the content of thought, looking at the context of thought. And as that observer comes in, I can I, I can have a really nice experience of life. And sometimes I'm up against life. Shit still happens. And I'll deal with that but I, I'm still present that that is what was meant to happen. A really interesting experience I had earlier in the year was I had an accident and I had quite a bad burn Um, I had boiling water all over my thighs, stomach. And, and I ended up obviously straight to the hospital and, and I got into the hospital and it, I mean, it was excruciating, you know, what I know didn't take the pain away, but in that moment of trauma, there was this observer that knew that this was what this was what was meant to happen and this was the experience that was on my on the table for me and it couldn't have been any other way now that was new for me that was oh so no it didn't take the pain away i still went through what i went through but i had a lot less resistance to it it was like okay it, it, this this it was on mother's day as well of all bloody days. It was it was okay, you know. This this was it, and that acceptance. See, I don't know whether this is true or not because I can't quantify it. But you know, these burns. I mean, I'd go to the nurses every two days for them to be dressed and healed, and they could not believe how quickly I healed. And and I think, and I still wonder. You know, obviously, could that have been because of my experience of it? did I still get caught up absolutely did I have moments of anxiety because you know obviously that's quite a traumatic thing to go through but there was also moments of deep peace and understanding that life is exactly as it's meant to be okay good bad difficult shit wonderful joyous that's it okay that's what you've got on the table in that moment and what I've seen over the years is our resistance to that causes more problems often than the experience that we're in. So what fell away from me was my resistance to that experience, and I feel that made it easier to go through. Does that make sense to you?
0: It does. It does. and and my mind is firing with all of these analogies again to to bitcoin and and how we can apply this kind of thinking to it and this idea of private keys the idea of the mempool I've got my mempool t-shirt on today that that experience you just recalled is you going into your own mempool finding that block unlocking it and explaining that story to me yeah and our brain is mining new blocks all of the time just ready for the future to fall in as transactions into our minds
1: like you said add something because I love that and what you're doing with the understanding I'm teaching, you are not bringing any of the previous, the past, into that block. It can't exist. No. You're just experiencing that block as it is.
0: It's empty block space.
1: Yes. Which is not what, as humans, which is not what we've been doing, we bring a fucking shitload of crap into that block, mm-hmm. into the moment with us.
0: Right. It's full up. It's almost a yeah. one megabyte before it's even yeah. had a chance. Yes. <laughs>
1: So my work is is getting people to see that and clearing that block, clearing all that data, all that information away. Now, and, And as that data and information falls away, we show up differently. It's not that I don't react in the same way because I have to work on not reacting. I just don't have the same blocks in me that I used to have that would create the reaction.
0: And you're just going to let the transactions naturally fall into the next block as they come, like so having have... this discussion.
1: Yeah.
0: We didn't know we were going to be talking about this today.
1: No, I didn't. I really didn't. I didn't know we'd be going this deep. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, I want to talk to you, what What do you call it? Universal mind? mind. Universal mind. Yeah. Um, could you just explain what you mean by that a, a little bit more?
1: Okay, from a from a practical level, that this intelligence behind life, this I don't have to go out this autumn and tell the trees, guys, time to drop those leaves. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's a there's a naturalness to the universe. There's a natural order. There's a natural order, even to you know animals that, that one eats the other, eats the other, eats the other, eats the other. It it's all in perfect order. And it's looking at, at that order, the fact that the sun is in the perfect p- position for life to thrive on us. Everything's so, so there's a design behind it. So that design, it depends what where you want to see that that design is coming from. Okay. And again, I don't ever tell people what they should think about that. I just point out the system, you know, so again, for some people, it would be God. I'm happy to go in that direction. That there's this, this, uh, this higher power. There's this power behind that. For other people, it will be, um, you know, universal energy. Um, what did they say? In AA, they said there's a, high, a higher power. You know, and there's something that in, when people go into AA, they hand their lives over to the higher power, um, and it, it's that. it it it, did, it really doesn't matter how the person I'm working with sees it. And they could be a complete atheist but they get the nature they get that there's something there they get that there's an intelligence that there's a beauty that that there's this creative force now you know when you have a kid it's like holy shit you start you, yeah. you feel something there's that shift of all oh, maybe yeah. there's more to this physical world than I realize because that's a miracle <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, it, it it's those things that I explore with somebody and it again, it's it's like we look up, I tell you, you know, when you're a kid, and they do it even now actually, and you look up and it's infinite. That is something our minds cannot grasp. Mm. it kind of makes our minds go, bit, whoa, like that doesn't end. Because the mind loves, and the mind's a great tool for measurements and, and 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 kind of um questions that relate to the physical world, the mind can't doesn't really process very well the deeper questions. So that's why the mind gets a bit fuzzy when we think about infinity. But what I point to is that that infinity is also us. Mm. Okay? We look up and go, oh, wow, infinity. Well, we look in and we go, wow, infinity. And we start to see the nature of who we are. You know, the form is temporary. You know, the world of form is, is, is creation and destruction. We go into duality. But before duality, there is oneness. You know, I spoke about my second awakening experience was of oneness. That That's what I saw. There was nothing other than this moment and there was no past, there was no future. There was just this infinite moment that touched all things and had no form uh, yet created all form. And yeah, it was a kind of mind blowing. So that it, universal mind, all of the principles really are hard for the mind to grasp you know, it's like Mm -hmm. trying to, um, uh, it's like a knife trying to cut itself. It's very difficult for it to process because that's not what it's for. It's not supposed to understand the deeper questions. We're supposed to almost, I feel, swim in the deeper questions, not, not really conceptually understand them. We're supposed to just kind of hang out in them and just feel them. Go, oh, yeah, I kind of feel that I kind of get that. But the mind's not gonna gonna really have a firm grasp of it. Um, Do you feel like yeah.
0: uh, us us normies uh, that are new to to this kind of topic that you're talking about and educating us all about? Uh, you know, I, I can speak from experience. You you might watch a nature program or something and just be wowed by it, or like uh, something about the planets and solar system, just be completely amazed by it and you're like oh wow yeah this is this is truly amazing but then you never apply that thinking to fellow human beings it's always easy to say the tree like you said that they know what's going on and we can talk about maybe they're communicating with each other through mycelium under the you know soil and all of this and the the wood wide web and whatever you call it you're like yeah that's amazing but you never apply that to human beings and I had Rob Brendan on the show, and he was talking about this idea of um, decentralized mind, and how we—I don't know how to explain it. You could probably do a much better job. But do, do you do you find that that we're still so um, asleep to each other? Much easier to ignore your neighbor and your community than it is to fully connect on levels that only you could probably explain
1: uh, yeah i would say that and again it's 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 all separation is thought all judgment is thought and i would say we have a lot more judgment on humanity than we do on trees yeah So that judgment's always that it's 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 like the iceberg of thought you know we have a hundred thousand thoughts a day how many are we aware of and how many are unconscious i'd say the greater number are unconscious yeah so that unconscious thinking is always going to be um, tainting our view, and so when we look at other humans, we tend to go look at them from our ego, and we have judgment, and I think that creates a lot of separation. Whereas when we look at a tree, our ego falls away, and we we see it, we we connect with it,
0: and can and, be humbled and, by it.
1: Yeah, yeah, but like people are that too, and that it really is amazing. And see, I don't have you know I, I love bitcoin but i'm a humanity maxi i don't judge you know you buy you know the maxis might hate me for it but you buy what you want do what you want but i'm here for whoever needs to speak to me i i seem to a lot of my judgment has completely fallen away by this understanding over the years now still some comes in of course again i'm not sitting here as the perfect human it's and I, i'm i'm human um but it for me it's it's that what's before all of that judgment all of that thinking that we have if and and it's so automatic a lot of the time it's so like we're walking down the street and we'll judge people We, we don't even know and I guarantee you that person that you instantly judge for maybe looking a certain way or acting a certain way if you sat with them and they told you their story and you had that connection from this deeper space that I talk about you'd fall in love with them And 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 again, this is why this is so powerful because we begin to drop a lot of that old thinking, and we begin to show up and see people beyond what the presentation is, beyond what coin they buy, beyond what clothes they wear. It's it. We are one shared being. You know that I saw so deeply. There isn't separation, and when you see that that's that's so wonderful because suddenly you fall in love with humanity. Now, again, of course I have judgments. Of course I go into that automatic thing sometimes, but my my deeper true understanding is this oneness. And why that's amazing and why that I believe is so important to be shared in the world right now is the whole world has lost their minds on diversity? diversity. The whole world is doing this you know you i'm this and you have to respect this and if you say a bad thing about this then you're canceled that's that's not the direction that's helpful to humanity in any way we're getting so lost
0: mm-hmm.
1: if we come back to yeah you be that great you know you everyone do what they want be what they want don't care what anyone else says you know you 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 own who you are whatever anyone else says is up to them that's not a reflection on you that's a reflection on them we're one touch that oneness and then you just have this humanity that has obviously all this diversity because 7.5 billion of us but understands a deeper nature that we're all brothers and sisters and that actually it can sound like a utopia but i believe it can exist because i don't know if we're going to get so far in the opposite direction that something's got to give that suddenly everybody comes back to seeing what i'm talking about and if I can just point to the project that Jem says and I started on Crypto Twitter is that the Unminding project, which is now a podcast that we started nearly a year ago, was to share this with the world for nothing. You know, we have—I think we've got 33 episodes now. We we go through the, these principles. I talk; um, she's my co-host, and we share it and we talk about every aspect of life and how it touches every aspect of life and how it can be deeply healing. And can give you a transformational experience from darkness to light or, you know, wherever you are, it can change how you see the world. And for us, this is the passion of, of, of what we've done with Unminding.
0: Let's talk about how we got to where we are today, because it's pretty insidious. What are your thoughts on how we've been so separated and so segregated? And so conditioned to judge others,
1: uh, I think it for me, when I look at it, it's see, people operate from ego. Some people really operate from ego. You know, there is only ego. and and that thinking, they believe to be incredibly true. And unfortunately, the more powerful somebody gets, the more likely they are to to operate from that place. And the stronger the ego gets, the more the beliefs are set, the more they believe their own thinking. And and it's almost like a, a snowball effect to the point where they're so hooked on power and money that that's the only thing that's going to, bring them comfort and so their whole narrative is how do they get more power and money now unfortunately a lot of psychopaths and sociopaths are the ones that get into power because that's how they operate so i don't know for how long but i presume for a very very long time humanity has been ruled by sociopaths and psychopaths and because all they know is the ego and all they know is more what they look to do is is control humanity and they they control humanity via division and that is where we are today it's it's the it and it works you know Mm -hmm. it, it works for them and it's this this ego see when we operate from that ego and we fulfill what we're looking for from the outside It is actually an insecurity. So uh, fundamentally, they are insecure, and they feel secure by having power and money. Now, the funny thing about that is you can never fill yourself up from the outside, which is why people that do that always want more power and money. Because it's an illusion, you can't fill your insides up from the outside, you have to see that you already have everything. And all of that desire falls away. Because you know, you already have everything that you need. And the insecurity tends to really kind of die down. But what they're doing is their the insecurity, because it can't be filled, they think, oh, no, okay, well, I've got 8 billion. <laughs> I need 9 billion and I need to wipe out half of humanity because then I'll feel secure. And it, it it's never going to be enough. So for me, there has to be a critical mass where these absolute psychopaths that have ruled us suddenly get to a point where it breaks because as far as i'm concerned okay what i teach these principles this the the this infinite creative potential this universal mind far more powerful than any of that that you know it can't be broken it's nature it's it's the energy behind life but what they are this this ego can break you know this what what where, where they are this this power can be taken away. So my hope again is that via this teaching and all the other beautiful teachers around the world that teach something similar to the principles or teach the principles themselves and point people back home, point them within that this collective consciousness of humanity will rise. And as that happens, this ego will be destroyed. And Mm -hmm. then we're looking at where hopefully the planet comes back into balance And we live in a different world. Now, that's my hope. Will that happen? I've got no idea. It might be the whole shit show gets destroyed. You know, whatever it's (laughs) going to be, it's going to be. I literally don't know. But I feel that, you know, if we can share as much love as possible and point people back to home and who they really are, that we've got much more chance of defeating what's out there than if... And via anger. And I'm not saying people shouldn't get angry, but I'm just saying I think there's something about this collective consciousness that's important. And have you seen the movie Zeitgeist? Yes. Yeah, so at the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm. And at
1: the end, they say the answer is love. The answer is the collective consciousness rising. You know, and we know in that movie, that deals with some very difficult topics and it shows the truth, I believe, of what's going on in the world. And it's a gnarly watch. But ultimately, it points to what I'm teaching here. So I'm really hopeful. I really am hopeful that there can be change. And I really do believe that that ego can't sustain itself forever. And I believe that there's enough good people on the planet that there will Mm -hmm. be a tipping point.
0: There's one thing we have to break, and it, it solves so much of this. It would be a huge revolution. And that is the state education system.
1: Yeah.
0: That's where it all begins. Yeah. They take them from us from the age of three, four, or five, from their families. Yeah. And that's where the indoctrination begins. That's where it all gets stifled. All of the creativity, all of the imagination is beaten out of them. And it's done with intent. Mm-hmm. There is malice at forethought here. People have been down this rabbit hole, just listen to John Taylor Gatto. Uh, he talks about um, Calvin, uh, John Calvin, back in the fifteen hundreds, and his idea of predestination, that some were, you know, nineteen out of twenty people, for example, or, uh, you know, the the damned will always be damned, and you know, they were damned before they were born, and the opposite is true for the elect that he he would call the elect, that one in twenty would, um, what did he call them, justified sinners, uh, you know, that they, they're born. They're they're elect before they're born and they can do no evil. So that's how you can square away, you know, drone bombing people in a far off land that you've never met. Justified sinner. And these are the psychopaths and sociopaths that you're talking about that get put in positions of power that are, let's for want of a better word, call them lobbyists. The people that sit actually above the politicians, the invisible hands and make the agendas, which they push down through our education systems into our kids' minds. This is why we've got kids walking around. They think there are three sexes on the planet.
1: Yeah. I mean, Until it, it, we it,
0: shatter that system. Yeah,
1: totally agree. Totally agree. And, and it's everywhere. It's and
0: th- That's a global problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah and everywhere. you have
0: nation states that um, export their curriculums and their education systems.
1: I do believe that a lot of people have woken up over the last couple of years. I, I really do. I think yes. whatever their game is, they've actually, you know, what is it, the Streisand effect? They've actually made people, yes. you know, at, look a bit deeper than what the media is telling them. And, you know, a lot of people do have intuition. And I do believe what I teach kind of really wakes that up as well is this kind of gut feeling. And that gut feeling for, little people, for a lot of people is there's something off here. There's something not right here. What's going on? And that's led them down the rabbit hole of, of what others call conspiracy theorists. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is just people that are doing a bit of research and, and finding out the truth. And it it, it for me, it's, uh, I mean, I've woken up. I mean, I had an idea before, but my level of awakening to the world has been huge in the last couple of years. Um, and, and I'm not alone, you know, so they they have had, in many ways, an, a, an, an awakening effect on humanity. So I, I look at it as if well, that was supposed to happen. You know, as I said earlier, it's, if I see my life as that is exactly how it's supposed to be, I have to look at that on the macro level. This is all playing out as it's supposed to. And I'm hoping for a good outcome, because I see people being more switched on. I see people not believing the media so much. I see them questioning what they're being told. And, and that questioning leads to revolution. You know, it will. And again, what, the outcome, I have no idea. But, you know, there's enough of that. And we are the many, they are the few. We know that.
0: Yes, we do know that. And it, there, there's another point there. Is it a revolution or an evolution?
1: I think both. Yeah. I think both, yeah. I think that there will have to be some form of revolution, in my opinion, um, And but that will be part of the evolution. You know, yeah. I, I don't really <laughs> separate them. It's, it's very, it, you know, it's a very interesting time to be alive. And I think we all have our part to play. You know, you wake up people in your way, I do it in my way. And I think it's really important that for us we stand strong. And I think we do. I think we can clearly see that, you know, you and I do and a lot of others do. And just, you know, know what we know, you know, stand by what we know and take action. See, again, what I teach doesn't make you passive. You know, you'll take action when you need to take action. Um, And that action will be whatever it looks like in the moment that will help towards this world that we want to create that you know is more loving more kind and not ruled by psychopaths and sociopaths i mean i've had enough of it mm. really had enough <laughs> you know it's like in it you know time for change really
0: yeah 100% where can people reach out to you if they want to come and learn more about what you're doing and your work and how to interact
1: yes yeah, so Obviously, the Unminding Project, which is the podcast, that's on all platforms. Um, we are on Fountain. So, you know, if you come on there, give us a boost. Yeah. We, we, don't, we don't get a lot on Fountain for some reason, but hopefully this will kind of, um, we've got quite a lot of followers, but we'll um, kind of boost us a little bit over on there. Um, you know, on obviously on Spotify as well. And my website is samanthahurst, which is h-u-r-s-t dot m-e. And so you can find about all about my work on there. So you've got me on Twitter as well. And I am moles unminding on Twitter. So there's lots of ways. There's, you know, you can learn more just via the podcast. You can reach out to me privately. I work with private clients. Um, I've worked with quite a few people on Twitter. Um, Obviously, people from all actresses, models, businessmen. I mean, it doesn't matter where you're from. This is incredibly helpful to know. Uh, people either work with me from you know an hour a week an hour a couple of weeks um, up until um, I do four days with people people sometimes hire me to spend four days with them and we just sit together and for for four days go for walks do lovely things and and that's a really kind that's that's an immersion that's a really transformative experience Um, so again lots of ways to work I don't really like to keep it set Because everybody's unique, so they'll have their way of coming to me, and they'll have their way of wanting to work with me. Um, But it really is incredibly enriching to to look in this direction. And I say, like, what have you got to lose? You know, as you go and listen to the podcast, or you book me, and and you spend an hour. It's there's not much to lose, and there could be an incredible an incredible amount to gain by actually seeing the world through fresh eyes. And I think that's what's available here. It's. It goes from a outside in reality, which isn't true, which is everything's coming at you, and you're a victim of the world, to an inside out one where you're sovereign. Um, everything comes through you, and you're not a victim. You know, incredibly powerful.
0: And if the plebs want to reach out, uh, are you accepting Bitcoin officially? I
1: am, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Great to hear. I, I, was hoping, I was hoping when I asked you uh, what are the three principles, you'd say something like stack, stay humble, and hoddle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's enough of you guys spreading that, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you had one last orange pill to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why?
1: Oh, who would I give it to? That's such a great question. Who would you give it to? You've obviously answered it. Who is
0: yours? I have, and I keep sticking with it, and I want to ram it down Greta's neck so she can release <laughs> release Sweet. all of the 5- to 18-year-old kids. She's completely and utterly destroyed their worldview and feared oh, them okay. up. Like, I want her to turn around and say, sorry, guys, Bitcoin fixes this, and the world isn't going to end, and just stack.
1: Yeah. Yeah, see, I don't like you know, I'd want to go to the Klauses or the Bill Gates, but I don't like them enough to orange pill them. I just want them gone.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> Not orange pilled, you know. Yeah. Um, so so who would it be? Um oh, God, that's such a great question. And I really haven't got a definitive answer. Because all those powers, it'd be the power structures, but as I said, I want I want them destroyed. I don't want them around anymore. So who would I go for? Um, I would say my dad's. There you go. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) It would completely transform his world.
0: How good would that be?
1: Yeah, yeah. Something really close to home. Yeah, that would be fun.
0: Well, there are no wrong answers. That's the beauty of that question. Yeah. So I really appreciate uh, you you coming on moles and um for everything that you're doing uh it sounds awesome the uh the uh, the podcast i'm going to go listen to a few of these episodes uh i will find you on fountain and i'll uh i'll boost you
1: hey uh, thank you
0: no problem and um yeah keep doing what you're doing um it's very important that more and more of these conversations keep happening because Bitcoin derangement syndrome is uh, is a real thing. Mm-hmm. We can get caught up, especially when you face all of these lies that we're being exposed to daily and figuring it out like, oh my God, everything's a lie, especially since 1971, arguably since forever. Um, it's It's a lot to take in. And we want to live in the future as quickly as possible because we want a hyper-Bitcoinized world where we can just get on with our lives, connect and build and live in a much nicer, more connected existence than we have today. So we are projecting into the future too much. Uh, yeah, enjoy the ride, place. I just plebs.
1: want to add there, I just want to add... Like, Everything happens exactly at the perfect time. Hmm. Even Bitcoin, you know, it's like everything that's happened to it, everything that will happen to it is in in the exact perfect order that it's meant to. And so that can also take a little bit of pressure off because, you know, nothing can be sped up or slowed down. It can just be. So, yeah, I think that's quite a good thing to point to, too, for all the hardcore maxes out there. Just, you know, it looks, you know, smell the roses
0: <laughs> yeah it's
1: all it's all it's all going great
0: so the block size wars happened because they needed to and that's where we are that's how we are where we are today uh so whatever the next war is uh is going to happen for um war for, be- for, for want of a better word yeah. disagreement yeah.
1: yes uh,
0: open public heated debates uh, yeah, you know, there's one brewing obviously with the, the coin joining thing, uh, that seems to be taking up a lot of people's mind space at the moment. Um, but yeah, like you say, maybe that is happening as it it's has all to, meant be.
1: to be, and also you know, it, it, it's, it's meant to be. And, and rather than vilify people, which is really easy to do, sometimes just have a conversation with them because that's how we change minds, we never change minds in an argument
0: we change minds in a conversation yeah 100 all right we will leave it there thank you so much for coming on and uh, have a great afternoon
1: yeah i really enjoyed it thank you so much bye-bye
0: well there you go plebs i hope you enjoyed that one with moles thank you again for coming on and sharing such intimate stories from your early days and sharing the um The event that led you down the meditation and spirituality rabbit hole, sharing with us that that breakdown and that uh, very difficult time of your life, very nice of you to come on and share that with the plebs and I hope that has gone a long way to helping anybody out there that is feeling over-anxious about anything or perhaps has partners in their lives that are suffering from these things, Uh, all of this kind of information. Like Moll said right at the end there, having conversations is what we need to do, rather than uh, you know judging or coming with uh, pre um, preconceived assumptions to to situations and not getting both sides of the story. So it's very easy for us to shout and holler at each other and Bitcoin Twitter, which is also a very fun thing to do as well. But of course long-form conversations are where it's at and this is why i enjoy doing these podcasts so much and thank you everybody for listening and sharing and whatever you do especially if you're listening via fountain i really appreciate that i think that is a great platform kudos to nick and oscar for what you have achieved really great platform for for us to start building a value for value uh, in the lightning and bitcoin space Make sure you're checking out the show sponsors. You know where to stack now. Swan Bitcoin, Relay or Coin Corner. Then try yourself out with a coin join or two. As you know, Max has been on the show, Max Hillebrand. He's been in my ear about Wasabi Wallet and it's definitely something I think is worth you guys checking out. So you can download it, it's very easy. They've even just done a, a new update so it's working even better than before. Create a receive address. Send through a couple of hundred thousand sats. Just take it easy and see how it feels for you. Then get it on your hardware wallet. And if you are not using the BitBox O2, it's definitely worth you checking it out. Add it to your stash. See if you think this is a device that um, is worthy of your Satoshis. I certainly think it is a great piece of kit. If you want to get to Pacific Bitcoin, hit the link. You will get a discount if you use the code PRINCE. And of course, if you want some merch, go check out Ungovernable Misfits. Use the code Bitten at checkout and you will get 10% discount on your t-shirts and hoodies. And last but not least, Consensus Network. This is headed up by Nico, the Omnifin, and they are doing incredible work as a bunch of plebs translating, transforming as many books about Bitcoin and Bitcoin-related topics as they can into as many different languages. Please go and support them. If Christmas is coming up and you want to orange-pull a friend in their native tongue, hit over to Consensus Network, use the code BITTON, and pay via the Lightning Network. You'll get lots of discounts. Take it easy, guys. Catch you on the next show.